their kindness uh, that they've showed today. And Lord, I pray that you would help me uh, not to be distracted. And uh, there's a lot, lot going on and a lot to think about. But Lord, I pray you would help us to be able to focus for the next few moments as we open up your word. Lord, as we, as we look at this uh, passage uh, this morning, as we look at the, the study this morning, I pray you bless the time that we have. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Second uh, Corinthians chapter number 9. And uh, I, I just, again, I, I don't know, I, I just want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I, I, I just, I, re- I really appreciate it. And it's uh, very, very kind of you. It's, it's uh, kind of, I, I, please stop by after the service and, and look at the office. It's, it's, uh, it's a little too nice, you know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm afraid you guys are going to expect like better sermons now or something, you know. <laughs> Before it was like your sermon is your sermons are lame, but it's like well you know my office is like a storage facility you know but now now I don't have an excuse so <laughs> praise praise the Lord for that. Uh, this morning we're finishing our uh, series on financial freedom. We've been talking about finances for the last uh, five weeks, and if you remember we started this series on uh, September the thirteenth. And we preached a sermon and we learned about uh, having the proper view of money. And we talked about what the Bible teaches about money and the fact that God does not want us to love money, but God is not necessarily against you having money. And uh, we, we learned about all those things. The, the second sermon, uh, we preached on the subject of planning your spending. And we talked about budgeting and, and, and cutting your spending and controlling your money and, and being able to learn and control uh, the finances that God has entrusted you with and the stewardship that he's given you. Uh, then we talked about preparing for the future. We talked about savings and the fact that there is a financial famine coming. Uh, there, is, there are problems that will arise and you want to be uh, ready for those things. Last week, we, we talked about debt, paying your debt. And we talked about getting out of debt and what the Bible teaches about uh, those things. This week, uh, we're talking about, and this is the only of all the five sermons, this is the only sermon on the subject of giving. And we're talking about proportional uh, giving. Now, let me go ahead and, and say this from the beginning. I always give this disclaimer when I preach about finances. We don't talk about finances a lot at Verity Baptist Church. And if you're a first-time guest with us, and it is your first time here, and you don't, and you don't walk in and say, every time I go to church, they talk about money. I preach on tithing once a year. And you just happen to choose that one Sunday. You know what I mean? So God, maybe God has your fear for a reason. I don't know. But we, we, we don't, we don't uh, stress money a lot. In fact, at our church, we don't sell anything. The Bible says, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Uh, you go to churches and they'll have bookstores and they'll sell you books and CDs. We don't do any of that. All the CDs back there are free. All the DVDs we have are free. We don't charge for anything. The only money that is ever, uh, you know changes hands around here is through the offering because it's scriptural and uh, you know we don't talk a lot about money and we don't emphasize it because the Bible doesn't emphasize it but the Bible does talk about money and we're not ashamed to preach what the Bible says but I just want you to understand it's not something that we push a lot and if you've been here for any number of weeks or any number of time you know that's true we don't mention I've been to churches where every sermon there's a point on money and every time they take the offering there's a mini sermon about money and we don't do that here but the Bible does talk about money, and we're going to be talking about that this morning. If you've missed all the other sermons, I'd encourage you to grab the CDs, uh, go on the website. They're all about helping you succeed financially. But tonight, I'm um, tonight, good night. Today, we'll be uh, talking about uh, giving and tithing and things of that matter. Let me start with verse number 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7. Now, 
2 Corinthians 9 is not necessarily talking about tithing. It's talking about like a free will offering that they were giving. But there's some principles that I want you to notice in verse 7 before we get started this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, the Bible says this, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Now I want you to notice how God wants you to give. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Okay? And I want you to understand, as we talk about money this morning... My goal is not to guilt you into giving to Verity Baptist Church or to try to like manipulate you into giving. The Bible says that you ought not give grudgingly or of necessity. And I want you to understand, grudgingly means like you don't want to, like you're upset about it. And, and, and I want to say this, and I say this all the time, and, and I want to say it in the right attitude and in the right spirit, and, and I hope it doesn't come off arrogantly, but, but I want you to understand this. If you have a bad attitude about giving money to Verity Baptist Church, please do me a favor and keep your money. We don't want it. We don't need it. I used to work for a man. Uh, I used to do HVAC, and I worked for a man, and he would say, we want happy money. He said, we want customers and clients. Uh, This is in the business sector. He said, we want customers and clients who are happy. We want them to be happy to to pay for the services. Talking about what we used to do. And I always thought that was interesting. He said, we don't want, if they're not happy with what we've done, give them their money back. And that's how I feel at Verity Baptist Church. If you're not happy when you're putting the money in the offering plate, keep it. You know, your money perishes with you. We don't need it. We don't, we're not asking you for it. We preach about it once a year or whenever it comes up in Scripture because the Bible talks about it. And here's the thing. Honestly, we don't, he says to not give grudgingly or of necessity. And I'll tell you this. At Verity Baptist Church, God has blessed us with people who have gracious hearts, who give. I mean, you, you look at the bulletin every month and you look at those offerings back there. Oftentimes, guests will come from out of town and they'll say, man, you, your, your church gives a lot of money for the size of it is. And all I can say is God's blessed us with people that are gracious, people that are happy to give, people that love the Lord. And it tells a lot about the heart of people when they give. But if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to give, I don't want to learn about money, I don't want this subject, listen to me very carefully. We don't want your money. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart because the Bible says, every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. And I'll, and I'll tell you the honest truth, the very Baptist Church, we want happy money. We want people to give because they're happy to give because they love God and, 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 if you, and, and if you say, you know, I can't, this is my first time here, I can't believe you're preaching about money, come back next week. We'll preach about something else, and uh, you can give us another, another chance. Now, keep, uh, you, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians, because we're going to come back to it. But go with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter number 14. In Genesis chapter number 14, I want to give you uh, six points this morning on the subject of, of tithing and of giving. And I want to teach you what the Bible teaches about giving. And the first point is going to be the longest, and then we'll go through the rest of them fairly quickly. Uh, For those of you that like to take notes, point number one this morning, I want to talk to you about the practice of tithing. The practice of tithing. Today, there are many people who teach, and many uh, uh, churches, and then people who just don't even go to church or reject the idea of church altogether, who say that tithing is not something that New Testament believers ought to do, and that tithing is not something that we should be doing uh, today. And I want to start with just this idea of should 
New Testament believers practice tithing? Should we tithe? Should we uh, give uh, uh, to a church? Because today there are people, and you will listen to people, who will say, you're not supposed to tithe, you're not supposed to give 10%. That's for the Old Testament, that's for a different time. Now, and I, I want to just begin there and kind of debunk this idea of why the Bible teaches that as New Testament believers, we are commanded uh, to tithe. First of all, the first argument that these people will give is they'll say that tithing is something that was found in the Mosaic Law. Now, Jesus taught us that the law came by Moses, and the Mosaic Law talks a lot about tithing, and we're going to look at a lot of those passages this morning. But I want you to understand something. Before Moses ever gave the law, tithing is something that was practiced in the Bible. Let me give you uh, two, the two examples. You're there in Genesis chapter 14. We'll begin reading at verse number 18, Genesis chapter 14, and verse number 18, the Bible says this, and Melchizedek, now Melchizedek's a whole other study in and of itself, uh, I believe it's uh, uh, pre-incarnate Christ appearing to Abraham, and uh, he, the Bible says, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. Now I want you to understand, the context here is Abraham just went out and basically won a battle uh, to rescue a lot, and he's coming back. Uh, and he meets Melchizedek, uh, the king of Salem, and the priest of the Most High God. Verse 19. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20. And, bless, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies to thy hand. Now, I want you to notice the end of verse 20. The Bible says, And he gave him tithes of all. So here you have Abraham. Now Abraham's the patriarch. Abraham's the one that got this whole thing started. And here you have Abraham going to Melchizedek, which I believe the Bible teaches, and I believe I can prove from the Scriptures, that that is Jesus Christ before, you know, he, the, the first... Advent there, where he came through the Virgin Mary. Uh, this is an appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've got Abraham, who the Bible says he gave him tithes of all. So right there, you know, the argument of it's tied to the Mosaic Law goes out the window. Because guess what? Abraham was way before Moses. Amen. The Mosaic Law did not exist when Abraham was around. Yet you see Abraham bringing his tithes. Because Abraham just got paid. I mean, he just went out and won this battle. He's coming back with all this, you know, with, 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 with all these things uh, of the battle. And the Bible says that he gave him tithes of all. Go, go to Genesis chapter 28. You're there in Genesis 14. Go to Genesis 28. Look at verse number 20. Genesis 28, verse 20. You've got Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And notice what the Bible says about him. Genesis 28, verse 20. The Bible says, And Jacob bowed a vow saying, if God will be with me, I will keep him in this way that I go, and I will, give, and I will uh, give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. Now, I want you to understand, and we're not going to get all into the story of Jacob, but I'm just going to give you a few things to think about. Jacob is running away from home. Remember, he, he tricked his father, stole the blessings from Esau, and he's running away from home. And basically, he makes this vow to God, and he says, if God will bring me back safely... To the house of uh, to to my house, he said. Then I'm going to notice what it says in verse 20, uh, 22. Well, look at verse twenty one. He says, "So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God." Verse twenty two. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. Now. There you've got the first mention to God's house. Now, the, the house of God changes throughout the Bible. Here, it starts off not very, uh, you know, elegant, just a stone. 
that Jacob says, this is the house of God. Later, you've got the tabernacle, which becomes the house of God. Later, you've got the temple that becomes the house of God. And in the New Testament, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy that the house of God is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. But notice what it says, verse 22. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So there you've got... Jacob saying, if I come back, because right now he's running away with nothing. But he says, if I come back safely and God blesses me and God gives me uh, uh, riches and income, he says, I'm going to give the tenth of that to the house of God. He said, I will sacrifice it here on the stone. Now, keep in mind, he, he, he was a, a, a herdsman. He, his, his, his riches were, were uh, you know, uh, flocks and things of that nature. So what he was doing was he was taking 10% of that and sacrificing it unto God. But here again, you've got a mention of, of the tithe before Moses. Now, some people will say, because people like to argue with this, and they'll say, well, Jacob was wrong. You know, Jacob is basically making this deal with God and saying, God, if you bring me back, I'm going to give you 10% and you'll be my God. And they'll say Jacob was wrong. But hold on a second. When you read the story of Jacob, late, 20 years later when he's coming back, guess what happens? You remember the story? He's coming back uh, home and guess who he meets? The angel of God. And he wrestles with God. And God changes his name. But guess what? God stops him on the way. And I believe that one of the reasons that God stops him is to say, Hey, don't forget the vow that you made, Jacob. You said if you came back, you'd give 10%. Guess what? You're back. I want to get paid. And he, get, and he goes back to the same place. And he, and he uh, meets with God. His name is changed. And he gives his offerings to uh, the Lord. So this argument that tithing is connected to the Mosaic law the Mosaic law has been done away with so tithing has been done away with is not found in scripture because you find tithing to Jesus and to the house of God before the Mosaic law their second argument that they give if you go with me to the book of Matthew we're going to look at a lot of references this morning so you just got to kind of be ready uh, keep your fingers you know uh, stretched out and ready to move go, go to Matthew chapter number 23 Matthew chapter 23 the second argument they make is that tithing is not associated to New Testament believers. They'll, they'll say things, they'll say, there's two things they say about this. The first thing is, they'll say, the New Testament never commands us to tithe. The New Testament never commands us to tithe. The argument to that is this. The New Testament never repeals tithing. Now here's the thing. Why would God have to command you to tithe when He already did it in the Old Testament? And here's the thing about the New Testament. In the New Testament... You have, you will find, if you study the New Testament, that God either steps up the commandments of the Old Testament or He completely repeals the commandments of the New Testament. Now, people have actually said to me, tithing is not even mentioned in the New Testament. Are you there in Matthew 23? Look at verse number 23. Now, I want you to notice what's being said here. Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus is preaching against the Pharisees, but notice what He says. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. He's, he's getting on them for their hypocrisy. He says, for ye pay tithe. Now, right there, when people say to me, tithe is not even mentioned in the New Testament, I think to myself, you never, you never read the New Testament. You didn't even get to chapter 23 of Matthew. Because right there, Jesus said to the Pharisees, He says, ye pay tithe. He says, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. This is talking about uh, uh, like... Um, 
uh, like herbs. He said, he said, you are so, you know, uh, you, you're so into tithing, you're so precise with your tithing. If someone were to give you, you know, some, some herbs, you would figure out what 10% of that is, and you would tithe that. And he says, and have omitted the, the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Now, here's what people will say. They'll say, see, Jesus is getting on the Pharisees for tithing. But wait a minute, is he getting on the Pharisees for tithing? Because notice what he says. He says, you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. He said, you paid the tithe. He said, but here's the problem. You omitted or you forgot about or you did not deal with the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. Now notice what he says. These ought ye to have done. What ought ye to have done? He said, here's what he said. He said, I'm glad you tithe. He said, I'm glad you tithe on the mint and the anise and the cumin. He said, I, I, I'm glad that you're faithful in paying your tithe. These things ought ye to have done and not to leave the others undone. See, what Jesus is getting on them about is the fact that they put money in the offering plate, but then they were mean or they were rude or they were judgmental to others. And he said, you omitted the judgment and the mercy and the faith. He said, you are being a hypocrite. He said, I'm glad you tithe, but don't forget about the rest. See, he's not repealing tithing. In fact, he's encouraging them. He's saying, I'm glad you tithe. He said, these things ought ye to have done. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus, if you study the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus actually stepped on the scene and began to increase our responsibilities of the law. He never decreased it. He, he said, you know, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt not kill. He says, I say unto you, you know, to not be angry with your brother without a cause. He says, you heard that it has been said to not commit adultery. I say unto you, you know, whosoever lusteth, uh, of, uh, lusteth on a woman, uh, lusteth, uh, good night, I'm going to misquote. Let's just go there. Matthew chapter 5. You memorize these verses and then you can't quote them when you're in front of people. Matthew 5. Whosoever lusteth, good night. Let's go there because we got to get to Matthew anyway. You're going to look at something else there anyway, so it's not wasted time. Notice what he says, verse, uh, I'm just going to read this one just because I want to make sure we don't misquote it. Verse 28, but I say unto you, and whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Look at verse 31. Are you there in Matthew 5, verse 31? It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Verse 33, he says, Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. He says, But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is uh, God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither uh, by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great God. Look at verse 38. Ye have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Look at verse uh, 43. Ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now here's what's interesting. Jesus takes the, the things that they heard from the past and either steps them up or he says, stop doing it. He says, you heard, you know, to keep your oaths. I'm telling you, don't swear at all. Now, here's what's interesting. Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't repeal tithing. Now, he mentions tithing. He's aware of tithing. He's aware of the fact that people are tithing. Yet, he doesn't increase it. You know, he doesn't say, let's bump that thing up to 20%, right? Which we're thankful for. But he also doesn't say, you've got to stop tithing. So here's the thing. The fact that Jesus mentioned tithing, the fact that Jesus even said to the Pharisees, these ought ye to have done. I'm glad you tithe on the men and the anise and the coming. I just wish that you would not omit the weightier matters of the law. The fact that he spoke positively 
of the tithing of the Pharisees and never repealed it, says that there was no change to be meant with the tithe. Now, keep your finger there in Matthew 9. We're going to come back to it, okay? But go with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 7. We've got to look at a lot of passages. I've got to talk quickly because we're looking at a lot of scriptures. If you can't keep up, just write down the references. You can study them out at home or you can check it out on the website and rewind. But we've got a lot of things to cover this morning, so I want you to see what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter number 7. Now, you say, well, I don't know. Your, your argument about Matthew, uh, uh, about Jesus, I don't know what I think about that. Okay, here's the thing. Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to the Jews. And the entire point, the entire purpose of the book of Hebrews is to show New Testament believers how the Old Testament is to be reconciled with the New Testament. That's the point. That's what the book is about. If you've ever read the book of Hebrews, you will find he's reconciling these thoughts. He's talking about the, uh, you know, how the Old Testament foreshadows the New Testament, how these things come together and how they connect together. Now, here's the thing. In the book of Hebrews, he repeals a bunch of stuff. He talks about washings and the Levitical priesthood is repealed, the keeping of the Sabbath day. He says, New Testament believers don't have to do this, don't have to do that. Read the book of Hebrews and you will find he's telling you, this was just a shadow, you don't have to do it anymore. This has been completed, you don't have to do it anymore. Guess what is mentioned in the book of Hebrews and not repealed? Tithing. Hebrews chapter 7. Well, tithing's never even found in the Bible. You don't even read the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 6. But he whose descent is not counted from them received. Now, this is actually referring back to Melchizedek. I think God just added the story of Melchizedek just to mess with these home church movement people who says you're not supposed to tithe, you know? Because he's like, let me just input uh, Melchizedek in here just to mess up all your um, bad doctrine. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 6. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promise. So you've got a reference to tithing before the law, verse 7, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better, and here men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. And as I may so say, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. So again, I just want you to understand this. The book of Hebrews, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is to tell us what we're not supposed to be doing. And he mentions tithing, but doesn't repeal it. What does that, what does that mean? Here's what that means. We're supposed to be doing it. God commanded us to do it, and he, he had an opportunity with Jesus to repeal it, and he actually encouraged it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then people say, well, you know, Jesus was another dispensation, and now we're in the dispensation of Paul, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. book of Hebrews was probably written by Paul, and he talked about it and didn't repeal it. He talked about it and, and, said, and didn't say anything about it. What does that tell us? It means it hasn't changed. Say, I don't know about that. Okay, let me give you one more example. Keep your finger there in Hebrews, though. Okay, I know you've got a Hebrew and uh, uh, Hebrew. You got a finger. I hope you don't have a Hebrew in Hebrews. You've got a finger in Matthew. You've got a finger in Hebrews because we're going to come back to those. Go to First Corinthians chapter number nine. First Corinthians chapter number nine. I got, this is this is the first one I've got to kind of deal with this because there's these people running around who have like never read their Bible cover to cover, not even once. But they, they know how to work a camera, so they want to go on YouTube and put out all this false doctrine. You know, they, they have no idea what they're talking about. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. They have no idea what the Bible says. They've never even read the Bible. But, you know, they watch some YouTube videos, so they think they know what the Bible says. But here's the thing. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. Look at verse number 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Say, well, is tithing something that New Testament believers are supposed to do? 1 Corinthians 9.9. 9. Notice what Paul said. 
For it is written, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, of course. For it is written in the law of Moses. Now we're back to the law of Moses. Notice what he says. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Now he gives a principle found from the Levitical, from, from the Mosaic law, which says this. If you have someone working, or if you've got an animal working, you shouldn't muzzle the mouth. Here's what he's saying. An ox would be out there plowing the corn. And as he's working... You know, you've got, you've got corn growing on all sides of this ox. You know, as he's working, if he gets hungry, he should be able to eat. And he says, don't muzzle the mouth of the ox when he treads out the corn. Here's what he's saying. If someone's working, feed them. If they're laboring, if they're working, he said, he, uh, let, let's read it again there. Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Now he says this at the end of verse 9. Does God take care for oxen? Is, is, is God concerned about the treatment of oxen? He's giving us an illustration. Now, here he's talking about a pastor getting paid. You say, where do you get that from? Keep your other finger. You've got ten of them, right? Keep one finger in 1 Corinthians 9. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 5, okay? I know we're running a lot of cross-references, but this is what we do at Verity Baptist Church. We prove everything from the Bible. We don't, we don't offer any shallow entertainment. We don't, we don't have like... You know, we, you don't walk in here and it looks like a casino. We don't have, you know, smoke and we don't have all this music and all that stuff. We just give you the Bible and heavy doses. That's where we specialize in. 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you can find the T-books. 1 Thessalonians, 1 2 Timothy, Titus. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let me prove to you that this is talking about paying a pastor. 1 Timothy 5.17. Notice what the Bible says. Let the elders that rule well. Okay? An elder is a pastor. I don't have time to prove that to you. You can study that out on your own. The elders that rule well. Notice, there's a, there's an, uh, there are elders that are supposed to be ruling. That are supposed to be in charge. People say, you're not supposed to have pastors. You're not supposed to have a man leading uh, a church. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor. Notice this word, labor in the word and doctrine. Do you know that it's actually hard work to like write and prepare sermons and study the Bible to preach it? I mean, one of the reasons we have men's preaching night is just to get these guys to like, you know, have to write a five or ten minute sermon. And you listen to these guys complain about a ten minute sermon and it's like the hardest thing in the world. You know, it's like, you know, try writing three of them. And I'm, I'm picking on the guys, but here's what they say to me. Well, I, I work a full time job. Or like I didn't work a full-time job while pastoring a church for like the first four, three years of this ministry. So anyway, I'm picking on you guys. Write a sermon, all right? Get to work. But notice what he says. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word of doctrine. Look at verse 18. For the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. In this Bible, the pastor's the ox. Who's working? And he says, hey, don't muzzle the, 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 uh, the ox when he's treading out the corn. Okay, so that's the context. We're talking about elders that rule well, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn. Go back to 1 Corinthians 9. That's the context of 1 Corinthians 9. Okay? Did we establish that? Yes. 1 Corinthians 9, look at verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Look at verse 10. Or saith he altogether for our sakes? He said, Is God really concerned about the treatment of oxen? Or is he saying it for us? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. Here's what he's saying. If someone's working, and there's hope that there might be something that comes from it. They should plow in that hope. If they are threshing in hope, they should be partakers of this hope. Verse 11, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Here's what he's saying. 
If you come to Verity Baptist Church and you've been coming here for three months or six months or three years or six years, none of you have been coming for six years, we're only five years old, you know, but if you've been coming here for any time and you say, I have grown spiritually, I have learned the Bible, I have drawn close to God as a result of the ministry of Verity Baptist Church, here's what he's saying. If you have sown unto you, if we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? Here's what he's saying. If you're growing spiritually, is it that bad that the church pays a man to pay his rent, to pay his mortgage, to, to meet his bills, if he's laboring in the work? Look, notice what it says. Look at verse 12. If others be partaker of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have used this power. We have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul's saying, you know, we could get paid. He's like, I've chosen not to. And, you know, the first three years of Verity Baptist Church, I worked a full-time job. The church never gave me any money, and we were just not financially able to do that. Uh, and that's what Paul's saying here. He said, we could get paid, but I've chosen not to. Look at verse 13. Do ye not know? Now, here's what I want you to focus, okay? Because he's talking about the, the law of Moses, right? That's where he started, verse 9, for it is written in the law of Moses. Now notice verse 13. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things? Now that's a specific phrase talking about the Levitical priest. That is, that is how that job is, uh, is referred to. Notice what he says. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Now I want you to understand this. Here's what he's saying. In the Old Testament, right? Because that's where verse 9 talks about the law of Moses. He says, in the Old Testament, when they would bring a sacrifice to the priest and they would minister in that altar, they would burn that sacrifice. He said, don't you know that the way that the Levites got paid is they actually took part of that sacrifice and they would actually take part of that and they would eat it and that's how they would live? Notice verse 13. Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Verse 14. Even so, he says, in the same way that the Levitical priest in the law of Moses got paid, ate, got taken care of physically, he says, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Here's what he's saying. You pay the preacher of the gospel in the same way that you paid the Levitical priest. Now, here's the question. How did you pay the Levitical priest? I'm glad you asked. Let me show you. Go to Numbers chapter 18. <laughs> Numbers chapter 18. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. People say, oh, well, we're not supposed to tithe because that's connected to the Old Testament law. Well, here's the thing. Paul in 1 Corinthians, who's a pretty New Testament, says you're going to pay those who preach the gospel, those who work and labor in the word and doctrine, those who, who sow in spiritual things, you're going to pay them the same way that the priests got paid when they ministered at the altar about holy things. Numbers 18. You got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 18. How did the Levitical priests get paid? Numbers 18, verse 24. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as an Eve offering unto the Lord, I have given to the Levites. Now, what did God give to the Levites? He gave them the tithes. To inherit. Therefore, I have said unto them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. Because here's the thing. He gave all the children of Israel land. They were supposed to work the land. They were supposed to uh, pay their bills through the inheritance that they got when they got the land. But the Levites did not get a land. They were separated unto God. They were dispersed among the people. How were they supposed to eat? God gave them the tithe that the people gave. Look at verse 26. Thus speak unto the Levites and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you, 
from them for your inheritance, then ye shall offer up an heave offering of it for the Lord, even, I like this, even a tenth part of the tithe. You know what that means? That a pastor or whoever gets paid, when, when God's people tithe, then you take that money and you pay the pastor or the preacher, and then that pastor is supposed to take that tithe, and he's supposed to give a tithe. And he's supposed to give. That's why very Baptist Church, I give, I tithe just like I preach for everyone else to tithe. I've known pastors who say, well, I don't tithe because I get paid from the church. That's ridiculous. I mean, you're increasing. You're, God's blessing you. And here he says that the priests were supposed to uh, pay a tenth from the tithe. Uh, uh, look at verse, uh, skip down to verse uh, number 31. Notice what he says. Numbers 18, 31. And ye shall eat in every place, ye and your household. He's saying, here's how you're going to feed your house. Here's how you're going to feed your wife. Here's how you're going to... Feed your children. He says, And ye shall eat in every place, ye and your household, for it is your... Tell me if these words sound familiar. For it is your reward for your service in the tabernacle of the congregation. He says, he says, you know, they that rule well, he says, they that labor in the word and doctrine, he said they're, they, you, to give them a double honor, he says to give them a reward if the ox is treading. Here's what he's saying. In the Old Testament, the priests got paid. They did the work of the ministry. They worked in the tabernacle. They worked in the house of God. The priests got paid by the people bringing their tithes to them. And then Paul says, that's how you're going to pray the preacher of the word, of, of the gospel. And if they preach the gospel, they should live off the gospel. So these people who say, tithing is not found in the New Testament. Okay, number one, Jesus talked about it. He said it was good that the Pharisees were doing it, but he just wished that instead of, you know, only giving money and then omitting the weightier matters of the law, he said, I wish you would have gave the tithe and dealt with the weightier matters of the law. In Hebrews, it is mentioned and not repealed, which is the book that is about repealing whatever we're not supposed to be doing in the Old Testament. And then Paul says, hey, by the way, I want you to pay your pastor the same way that the Levitical priest. So anyone who says to me, like, tithing's not found in the Bible, you just haven't read the Bible, you've never read the Old Testament, you just don't even know what you're talking about. Because the Bible is very clear. And in all these passages, never does it say, New Testament believers shouldn't tithe. New Testament believers, you know, the, the tithing has been repealed. So number one. The practice of tithing. Should we tithe as New Testament believers? Yes, we should. It's how you pay the preacher. It's how you take care of the things of God. Number two. I told you, the first point was going to be the longest. We'll move through the other ones fairly quickly. Did you keep a finger in Hebrews? Can you get back to Hebrews chapter 7? Okay, number one. We talked about the practice of tithing. Should we tithe? Yes, we should. Why? Because Jesus talked positively about it and did not repeal it. Because Hebrews mentions it and did not repeal it. Because Paul said that's how you're going to pay your uh, preacher when he talks about muzzle not the ox that treads out the corn. Hebrews chapter 7. I want you to notice a couple things about the word tithe or about tithing. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 9. And as I may so say, and as I may so say, Levi also, who received tithes, I want you to make note of this word, okay? And underline it in your Bible, if you don't mind writing in your Bible. Who received tithes, notice what it says, paid. You see that word paid? Paid tithes in Abraham. Now I want you to notice what it does to say. It doesn't say he gave his tithe. It says he paid his tithe, all right? Did you keep your other finger in Matthew? Can you get back there? Matthew 23. Look at verse 23. Remember, we, we saw it, but I just want you to see it again. Matthew 23. Look at verse 23. You should have kept the finger there. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye... Notice what he says. Underline this. For ye 
pay tithe. You see that? He doesn't say you give your tithe. He says you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Now, Hebrews says you pay your tithe. Jesus said you pay your tithe. Why does he say that? Go to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. You're there in Matthew, right before Matthew. If you, you go into the Old Testament, you got the book of Malachi, his last book in the Old Testament. Why does it say pay your tithe? Here's what you got to understand. You do not give your tithe to God. You pay your tithe to God because you owe it to God. It is God's money. God expects you to pay. Just, look, I don't send a check to my mortgage, mortgage company and, and tell them, I wanted to make a donation to you. Okay? Guess what? I owe them money. You know, I owe them uh, a certain amount of money that I'm supposed to be paying every month. And when I send that check, guess what I'm doing? I'm paying it. And you don't give. You don't donate your money. Now, you know, the way that the government is set up, we give you a nonprofit organization, blah, 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 letter at the end of the year that says you gave so much money or whatever. And we do that, and we're happy to do that. I'm not against that. But listen to me. The Bible doesn't teach that you give God anything when it comes to your tithe. You pay your tithe. You owe it to God. Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Notice what the Bible says. Will a man rob God? Will a man rob God? Ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Look, God expects a tithe. And God expects an offering. He doesn't, he doesn't tell you what percentage to give, but He expects you to give something. But God says, here's what He says, you're robbing me when you withhold your tithe. Because you owe it to God. You don't, Jesus said, you pay your tithe. Hebrews said, you pay your tithe. And here the Bible says, if you don't pay your tithe, you're robbing God. And here's why. You've got to get away from this mentality. Oh, I, you know, people complain to me. I sacrifice so much, I give God 10% of my income. You didn't give God anything. You owe it to God. You pay your tithe. It is owed. It is due. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. If you do not tithe, listen to me very carefully. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. You might have just came for the wrong sermon. But if you do not tithe, you are stealing from God. Because you owe it to Him. Go to Leviticus 27. Look at verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse number 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. If you go back to... Leviticus, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus 27, verse 30. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Why are you preaching this, Pastor Manus? Because you guys need money? We don't need your money. I was preaching it because that's what the Bible says. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been looking at a lot of passages, and we're going to look at even more. Leviticus 27, look at verse 30. Notice what the Bible says. Leviticus 27, verse 30. And all the tithe, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the, of the tree, notice, notice this phrase, underline this phrase, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. See, you, you don't give God your tithe. You pay your tithe. He expects you to pay Him. You say, well, why does God give it to me? Because He wants to see where your heart is. Because He wants to see if you're a crook. Because he wants to see if he can trust you financially. And some of you are not being blessed financially because you're stealing from God. And the Bible says you pay your tithe. It, be, it is the Lord's. Now, when you give above your tithe, you know, my wife and I, we give our 10% to God. And then, you know, every month, almost every month, we give above that. That's a free will offering. We don't have to do, you know, God, I mean, God expects us to give an offering, but He doesn't tell us how much. We just say, I want to give to God. I just want to give extra. We'll take special offerings around here. We'll give extra. That, people often say, you know, well, I give so... You don't actually give anything to God till you've actually paid your tithe and you give above that. 
You understand that? It's like we were talking about yesterday. Uh, yesterday, good night. I'm just all confused. That office has me all confused. It's like we were talking about last week about paying your debt. Remember, you pay the mortgage, then you can send extra towards the principal. Guess what? If I, if I owe $1,200 a month and I just send a $500 check and I say, that's for the principal, you think they're going to put it to the principal? No. You know why? Because I owe the money. I owe them $1,200. You understand what I'm saying? With God, it's the same way. You don't actually give anything until you've paid the 10%. Then you give above that. Okay, let's talk about the proportion of tithe. So we've talked about the practice of tithe. We've talked about the payment of tithing. Let's talk about the proportion of tithing. You're there in Leviticus 27. Uh, uh, look at verse number 32. Notice what the Bible says. And concerning the tithe, and concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rock, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Okay, so I just wanted to show you that to explain to you the Bible teaches that a tithe, the word tithe means the tenth part or 10%. What that means is you're supposed to give God 10%. uh, See, even I use that terminology. You're supposed to pay God, all right? Pay God back 10% of your income. Now, you're there in Leviticus. Go to Deuteronomy. So you go past numbers into Deuteronomy. I'm preaching about tithing. If you're having a bad attitude about it, honestly, don't feel guilty. I don't really care if you give. Honestly. And I'm not saying that in a mean way or in a, uh, a rude way. It doesn't make a difference to me. That's between you and God. My job is just to preach the Bible. You can come here and never give a, a dime, and we will love you, and we will pray for you. We won't even, no one will even know, okay? So, uh, so we're just preaching it because it's the Bible. Deuteronomy. You're there in Leviticus, right? Go past uh, numbers into Deuteronomy. So the proportion of tithe, or the portion of tithe, it's 10%. I've gone to churches who, who say, you know, they're like, let's tithe 20% to God. It's like, that doesn't even make sense, okay? It's 10%. It's eight-tenth. If you give above that, it's an offering, all right? Deuteronomy 14, look at verse 22. But I want you to notice, it's 10% of your increase, not income. People get this idea, I'm supposed to tithe off my income. Show me in the Bible where it says to tithe off your income. The Bible does not say to tithe off your income. The Bible says to tithe off your increase. Are you there in Deuteronomy 14? Look at what the Bible says. Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase, not income, increase, of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. Go down to verse 28. Deuteronomy 14, verse 28. And the end of the three years thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase, the same year, and shall lay it up within thy gate. You say, why is he telling them to tithe every three years? Because they were harvesting, they were starting to harvest, and it took them three years to make money. So he said, when you get paid, tithe. Now, we don't live in that society. You get paid once a month, or bi-weekly, or once a week. But he says, when you have increase, uh, he said, when you bring forth, he said, bring forth all the tithe of thine increase. So notice, it's not that you tithe your income, it's that you tithe your increase. Now, here's what that means. Everything that God increases you in, you are to tithe. My wife and I, we, if, if someone gives us a gift, someone gives me a $50 gift card, I put $5 in the, in the offering plate as a tithe to God. Say, why do you do that? Because God increased me. Because God blessed me. So if someone gives me a gift, I tithe off it. Someone, you know, we get an inheritance, we tithe off it. Why? Because the Bible doesn't say you tithe off your paycheck. It says you tithe off your increase. And the whole point of tithing, and we'll get into it here in a minute, is to acknowledge the fact that God is the one who provides for you. And if God gives you something, if God uses someone to bless you with something, you should acknowledge that and give 10%. So don't get this idea, oh, I'm only supposed to tithe off with my pay stub checks. No, no, no. You're supposed to tithe, some, you know, someone gives you a $500,000 inheritance, you should tithe off it. 
or a thousand dollar inheritance. Someone, you know, my wife and I, I mean, someone takes us out to eat and they buy us a $50 meal or a $100 meal, we, we try to mentally keep track of those things. And, and, and when we write out that check and say, you know, so-and-so took us out to a nice restaurant, they bought us an $80 meal, we're going to add $8 to our tithe check this week. I am acknowledging that God provided for my needs through that individual. So you tithe your increase. 10% of your increase, not your income. So number one, we talked about the practice of tithing. Number two, we talked about the payment of tithing. Number three, we talked about the proportion of tithing. Number four, let's talk about the priority of tithing. You're there in uh, Deuteronomy. Go to 2 uh, Chronicles chapter number 31. 2 Chronicles 31, you're in Deuteronomy. You go past Joshua, Judges, Ruth. You go past all the first and second books, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, and you'll go uh, past first Chronicles into Second Chronicles. I know we're looking at a lot of Bible. But there's a lot of Bible about this subject. Second Chronicles chapter 31, look at verse number 5. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 5. 2 Chronicles 31, and verse number 5. Notice what the Bible says. 2 Chronicles 31, 5. The Bible says this. 2 Chronicles 31, 5. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance the... I want you to make note of this phrase. The first fruits. You see that? Now, I want you to notice the first part of that phrase. It says, first. Do you see that? He says, they brought the first fruits of corn, wine and oil, and honey. And of all the increase, not income, increase of the field. Now, notice, God restates the same statement. He says, and the tithe of all things brought they in abundantly. So, here's what he says. They brought the first fruits of all their increase. Then he defines for us what that means because he says, they brought the tithe. All right? And guess who they brought the tithe to? Unto the Levites, because that's how the Levites got paid. Okay? So here's the thing. You are to give, yes, 10% of your increase, but guess what? You're supposed to give the first 10%. See, when they, when they had a harvest come in, they were supposed to take that first fruits, the first 10% that came in. They were supposed to give that to God. Here's what you got to understand. When you tithe, to tithe scripturally, you must pay God first. When my wife and I sit down to do our monthly budget, I get paid once a month, so we do a monthly budget. You may get paid twice a week, so you got to do, uh, you know, do it every two weeks or, or whatever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the Financial Freedom uh, series that we've been doing. But when we, when we sit down to do our budget, guess what we do? Number one, tithe. Number two, mortgage. Number three, we actually pay our bills in order of importance, and we pay God first. Listen, if anyone's not going to get paid, it'll not be God. I, I, and I think Christians ought to pay their bills. And I think if you control your finances, you'll do well with it. But listen, I'd rather not pay PG&E and make sure God gets his portion. I'd rather not pay smart. I'd rather not pay that uh, car. Some of you would be a blessing if you quit playing that car and they took it away from you. It actually would help you financially. But I'm going to pay God first. It's the first fruits. The Bible says, uh, let's see, go, go uh, to Matthew. Do you have your place in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. While you're going to Matthew, I'll read for you out of Colossians 1.18. The Bible says this, And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, listen to me, that in all things he, Jesus, might have the preeminence. See, the Bible says that Jesus should come first. You should pay Jesus first. You should put God first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Now, Matthew chapter 6 is actually, the context is about money. And notice what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 32. But seek ye third the kingdom of God. Is that what it says? No. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
and all these things shall be added unto you. And the, all these things he's talking about, he's talking about food and raiment. Matthew chapter 6 is about money. And he says, when it comes to money, put God first. Listen to me. When you tithe, you ought to give 10%. Not of your income, but of your increase. And you ought to give, pay God first. The first check I write is to Verity Baptist Church for 10% of my increase that God has blessed me with. I put God first because He should have the preeminence, because He should uh, be... We should keep him first, you know, seek you first the kingdom of God. Now, let me go ahead and, and, and start meddling a little bit. I don't know, I've already been meddling, but let's go even further. This is why I believe, for those of you that work jobs where you get like a pay stub, you get a W-2 at the end of the year, I believe you ought to tithe off of the gross, not the net. Say, so why is that? Because you make a certain amount of money, but you only get deposited a smaller amount of money because the way that our government is structured is the government takes the money before you pay it. Now they do that for a reason. The income tax, they take it before you see it. You know why they do that? Because if you had to sit down every month and write a check to pay your income tax, there'd be a revolution. So they just say, you know what? We're just going to take it from them. You know, and that's what, some of you are like, that's what that is. You know, you, you make a certain amount, that's called your gross, and then you only take home a certain amount, that's called your net. The difference went to the government. Now here's the thing. I tithe off my gross, or I used to tithe off my gross before I, you know, now I'm considered something different as a pastor. But you should tithe off your gross. Here's why. And people say, oh no, I just tithe off my net. So you're going to pay the government before you pay God? Is that really having Him have the preeminence? Is that really having Him be first? See, I'm going to pay God before I pay the government. And if they take the money from me because they're a bunch of crooks, I'm going to go back and look at how much I should have made and pay God 10% off the gross because I'm going to keep God First, let me talk to you business owners, because you business owners say, well, I, get a, I don't get a W-2, I get a 1099, or I do this and that. You ought to tithe off your profit. Off your profit. Now, I'm actually trying to help you guys out, okay? Let me give you an example. Let's say you do a $500 job, but you spend $200 on, on, on equipment or on, on you know, materials. You only profited $300. You ought to tithe off that $300. You ought to tithe off the profit. You ought to tithe off of your increase. You ought to tithe. Whenever God blesses you, take the opportunity to say, thank you, God. I'm going to pay you what I owe you, the 10% of my increase in everything that you've uh, given me. So we said number one, the practice of tithing. We said number two, the payment of tithing. We said number two, the proportion of tithing. We said number four, the priority of tithing. Number five, let's talk about the purpose of tithing. Go, go back to Malachi. You're there in Matthew. Go back one book to Malachi chapter three. What is the purpose of tithing? Well, the first purpose of tithing is just to acknowledge God. Because here's the thing. You may not know how much God blesses you till you sit down and think, well, what have I? You know, God, you know, I got this amount paycheck. And then, you know, Aunt so-and-so just sent me, you know, this much money for my birthday. And, and then, you know, I was walking down the street and I just found a $50 bill, you know, whatever. And, and when you sit down and, and, and add it all up, you're like, wow, God has really blessed me. See, I believe one of the reasons for tithing is that you just go back and you reckon how God has blessed you. And then you return what is owed to God, that 10%. But let's talk about a practical reason. Why do we tithe? Malachi chapter 3, look at verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, the storehouse is referring to the house of God. I'm not going to take the time to prove it to you, but if you go back to Nehemiah, the Bible is very clear that the storehouse was in the temple of God. And by the way, the tithe has always gone to the house of God. Whether it was a rock that Jacob declared the house of God because he had a dream, 
He brought his tithe there. Or whether it was Abraham bringing it to, to Melchizedek, which is Jesus. And what is the church? It is the body of Christ. The tithe always goes to Jesus through his house. That's why, let me just go back to meddling. Some of you need to quit sending money to these TV preachers. These televangelists. Because you say, well, why? Because here's the reason for the tithe. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. Why? Why? That there may be meat in mine house. The word meat means food. And prove me now there with, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot, uh, that you do not have room to receive. So I want you to, we're going to talk about that in a second. But I want you to notice, the purpose of tithing to the house of God is that there may be meat in mine house. I don't know if you know this. But SMUD doesn't donate the electricity for these lights to us. Did you know that? I don't know if you know this, but someone's got to pay for those donuts you eat every, day, every Sunday. I mean, someone's got to pay for that coffee. And someone's got to pay for the gas that goes in that van. And someone's got to pay for the insurance of that. Someone's got to pay for, for the, the rental of this facility. Someone's got to pay for those three jump houses we're going to have on Harvest Party. Someone's got to pay for those things. And here's how God ordained for, for the house of God, for the needs of God to be met. Yes, you pay the priest, you pay the pastor through the tithe, but you also tithe that there may be me in my house that to, to provide for the needs of the house of God. Everything that we enjoy here comes from, and for us it truly comes from the tithe. Everything we have here comes from the tithe because we don't charge you for anything. I used to go to churches where every event is like pay $5. Every city was like pay $5. Every this and every that was pay this much or pay this much. We don't charge for anything. We just allow God's people who tithe faithfully and guess what? We've got all sorts of activities all the time. Don't charge anything for it. Go back to Matthew chapter 6. Let me talk to you about the purpose of tithing. Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 21. Remember I told you Matthew 6 is all about uh, finances, right? I'm trying to move quickly. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Let me tell you why some of you have been upset this whole time I've been preaching about money. Matthew 6, verse 21. Notice what it says. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, the reason you don't like to, to give money to church is because your heart's not with the things of God. Your heart's in the stock market, or your heart's in some casino somewhere, or your heart's... In, we don't know where your heart is, but it's not here. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, I believe one of the reasons that you are supposed to tithe, is not only to provide for the needs of the pastor, not only to provide for the needs of the ministry, but it's also to get you invested financially into the things of God. Remember the quote from the bulletin? Miss, Miss J.C.'s uh, late husband uh, would say this a lot. That which is gained too easily is esteemed too lightly. See, one of the fears that I have, and one of the things, and maybe fear is the wrong word, but one of the things I often talk with my wife about, is I wonder, because at our church we... I don't know if you know this, but this is like the coolest church that has ever existed. I mean, like, my wife and I often think about, like, I wish, I wish I went to a church. Like, I, right now, I wish I went to a church like this one that I didn't pastor. That, you, that my wife wasn't the pastor's wife. That we could just enjoy. I mean, you, we've got a homeschool group that meets every other week, a PE class. You know that other people, other homeschoolers pay to be part of a PE class? We provide that for free at Verity Baptist Church for our homeschool families. We have a homeschool field trip we pay for. We have this spiritual leadership class for the guys that want to be pastors. I wish I had a pastor who would have taken time out of his schedule to train me for the ministry in the way that we're training these guys. I mean, we've got harvest parties, we've got Valentine banquets, we've got this, we've got that. Don't charge you for anything. But you know what my biggest fear is? That I often feel like people don't appreciate what we provide here because they don't pay for it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this Valentine's banquet. We'll, we'll serve prime rib. I think the last Valentine's banquet, Brother, brother uh, 
Vincent was a cook for it. I, what, what do we do? Prime rib and salmon? I mean, how many people signed up for Valentine's banquet? We counted on them being there. We bought enough food for them, and then they just didn't show up. But here's the thing. If we would have made them pay for it, they probably would have showed up. You understand what I'm saying? See, when you get invested, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to explain to you. When you get financially invested, when you put money, then now it becomes something real to you. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when you're not financially invested, you don't appreciate things. Because that which is gained too easily is esteemed lightly. I mean, we just, just right now, I mean, just this week, uh, my wife was telling me, I think Ms. JC was, was, was telling my wife, and, and she told me, we had someone, we had someone who our van used to pick up, and I'll be honest with you, several weeks ago, they were supposed to come, and we forgot to pick him up, it was totally my fault, I did not let Brother Ron, that they were supposed to come, they got missed, I apologized to them, I said, I'm so sorry, you know, it was totally my fault, I, I've got a lot going on on Sunday mornings, and it, I just missed that. They got all upset and they said, they said, we're never coming back. You know, whatever. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, now think about this. And I apologize. I feel bad. We shouldn't have done that. And, and, you know, I apologized to them. I said, I'm sorry. You know, we didn't mean disrespect, honestly. You know, but here's what I was thinking to myself. They got all mad. I was thinking to myself, we pay to put gas in a van. Number one, we paid for a van. Pay to put gas in a van. Pay to put insurance in a van. To go pick you up anytime you want to. Any service, any activity will go to your house, knock on your door, bring you to church, Take you back home. And, and, and we forgot to pick you up one time. You'd think they would have said, oh man, I am just so thankful that anyone, I mean, tell me the church in Sacramento that does this. You, you would think they would say, I am so thankful, Pastor, that you provide this service. If you want to forget about me once a month, I'd be okay with it because I'm just so thankful. <laughs> but we forget about them one time and they get mad and leave. You know what that's called? It's called being ungrateful. Amen. But you know why? They never put a dime in the offering plate. They weren't invested in this thing financially. And people develop this handout mentality. And they think it's, it's you know, but here's the thing. When you get invested, when, I think, what, why, does God, why does God have you? Some of you, you guys get mad at me. I preach things and I step all over to you. You get so mad at me. You don't leave because you've put so much money into this thing. <laughs> I mean, you're so invested in this ministry, you can't leave, you know. You got to make sure it succeeds. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And that which is gained too easily is esteemed too lightly. I mean, honestly. And I'm not mad if you don't put money on for me. I don't care. You come to all the activities. You tell us you're coming and then flake out on us. It doesn't make a difference to me. It's funny to me. Brother Ron, how many times do we pick somebody up who tells us they're coming and then we drive out there, get there, and then they tell us, oh, no, I'm not coming. Like every week? You know, do we get mad and say, we're never coming back for you? It's like, It's funny. <laughs> They, you can flake on us and it's fine, but we flake on you once and it's like, you say, Pastor Matt, are you mad? I'm not mad. I'm just trying to prove a point. Why does God want you to tithe? I believe one of the reasons is to get you financially invested into the work of God because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Because when you've invested financially, all of a sudden you start learning to show a little mercy. You start learning to show a little grace. Some of you are so mad because I told that story right now, you're going to ask me after the service, who was that, Pastor? And I'm going to say, mind your own business. <laughs> You're so mad. But why are you mad? Because you are invested in this ministry and it offends you that someone would treat us so lightly. Why do you give? Number one, we talked about the practice of tithing. Number two, we talked about the payment of tithing. Number three, we talked about the proportion of tithing. Number four, we talked about the priority of tithing. Number five, we talked about the purpose of tithing. Let me give you one more and we'll be done. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. Let's talk about the promise of tithing. The promise of tithing. Malachi chapter 3. Look at verse 10. 
Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And I want you to make note of these words. You ought to underline these in your Bible. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know like God says, hey, you prove me. He said, here's what God is saying. I, I dare you. He said, I, I dare you. Take me up on the challenge. You return your tithe to God and see and see if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot receive. He said, you can't even contain. He said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. He said, I'm going to make sure that your, your, your finances, and I can attest to you that God has taken care of us. I'm not saying we, we're not rich by any stretch of the imagination, but I can tell you this. Over the years, God has blessed me and my wife financially, taken care of us financially, met our needs when it seemed like 